desperation I'll seek heaven and pray this for you I pray for your healing that circumstances would change I pray me fear inside with flee in Jesus name I pray that a breakthrough would happen today I'm supposed to say the kids are released to Sunday school. <laughs> well, they, they, they're doing that. Why don't you greet each other? <laughs> Hello, 
again. Beautiful day outside after all the storms we've had. Um, so today, um, I just want to welcome everyone that's visiting, and thank you for coming. Um, we're glad you're here, and we have a few uh, prayer requests today. We want to continue to pray for Pastor Jack and Pastor U um, as they continue to lead us and others in God's way. We know that it's getting even more difficult over in Haiti that we just need to bathe them in prayer right now. Um, we also want to um, lift up those that we put out in prayers. If you didn't get the prayer emails, you know you can go online and link, and they will link them to you, and you can pray with all of us for those in need during the week. And we are praying for right now for um, Kathy Wilson, Dana Abbott, Carolus Abbey, Mike Forrell, and I continue to pray for Wesley as he continues to heal. And we're all happy that he's having good times right now. And we are praying also for um, the Paris Foundation and all our small groups. And as you saw, we have Grief Share starting up on August the 14th. If you're interested in joining us, um, you can go online and sign up, or you can sign up on the national website. Or if you know somebody that has had somebody that they've lost and they need a small group, just have direct them there or direct them to me um, or Judy, and we'd be glad to talk to them. And we also have, we want prayers for our VBS coming up on August 7th. If God has led you to help, see Kate and see where you can plug in there or if you can help out with supplies or anything that week. But we definitely pray for that week that the young people that come will get to know God during that week and see that they have a loving father that's out there for them. And we want to pray for Holly's ask for prayers for her father and for all unspoken needs. And we want to pray for the, um, we had, for Trixie that's also still in the hospital. We need to pray for her as well. So we are going to take all this in prayer. Now Joanna says, put your hands on you, but I say, close your eyes, take a deep breath. Let it, as you let it out, let God take everything that's on your heart right now that's troubling you, that are concerns to you. Just give it all to God and place it at his feet. Lord, in your, in your verse, in Jeremiah, it says that we can come to you, we seek you, and you will be there for us. And you will lift us up out of whatever is going on, Lord God. And we're asking you to do that. And all the needs, all those that are seeking healing or seeking financial needs that are, they're facing right now mental addictions, whatever it may be, Lord, that you are there and you will walk through them, with them, through all of it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Introduce you to Laura, who will be giving on our sermon today. Good morning, everyone. Pray for a moment. Lord, I just ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Uh, Jack came to me a week ago and said, I'm going to be away. Would you preach? Uh, I said, uh, I don't know. He said, well, I know you've done it before. And he said, I'm sure you have something on the back burner that you could pull out. So I said, all right, uh, let me go home and let me look. 
And the whole time I'm thinking about what excuse I'm going to give him. So our message today is excuses, excuses, excuses. If we look at Exodus 3.12, it says, And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who you have sent to you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So how many of us make excuses? I'm pretty sure that we all do at one time or another. They seem to be very alive and well. So why do people make excuses? So many times they make excuses to save face. They try to get out of things without having to take ownership. They lay blame in a different place and give you a reason to feel okay about skirting responsibility, taking shortcuts, or even simply being lazy. Some of our excuses are deliberate, while others come in such small ways that we don't even recognize them. They come in different shapes and sizes, and they all have one thing in common. They allow us to avoid facing the truth. An excuse may not be an outright lie, but if we're honest, we have to admit that it's not the full truth either. I can remember going into the kitchen a while ago, and our son was standing there not far from a smashed egg that was on the floor. And I said to him, Brian, what happened here? He says, I don't know, I didn't do it. He says, I think that the cat must have jumped up from the floor, opened the refrigerator door, and knocked the egg on the floor. Really? Excuses began with the first sin ever committed back in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 3, 11 to 13, the Lord said to Adam, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. I guess that's where we get the phrase, the devil made me do it. Let's look for a few minutes at Luke 14, 16 through 20, the parable of the great feast. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. Let's look at another one while we're doing this. Luke 9, 50 to 62. Is this what you have, 50 to 62? Okay, I'll read mine. <laughs> As they were walking along the road, the man said to him, I will follow wherever you go. 
Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And I kind of like the way the Message Bible says it. Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Jesus says that true disciples require immediate action. Jesus did not teach people to forget their responsibilities to their families, but he would often give commands to people in light of their real motives. Perhaps this man wanted to delay following Jesus, and he was using his father as an excuse. So what are some excuses that you may come up with? I know sometimes I try to make excuses so that I keep from hurting someone's feelings. Or maybe we make excuses to avoid responsibility. We maybe make excuses for things that we have done wrong, for the times that we have failed, and for things we don't want to do or situations we don't want to be in. How many times have you told someone, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot, when in reality, you just didn't want to do what you were asked to do? Some people call it rationalization or justification, but no matter what we call it, it's just an excuse. Now, of course, there are legitimate reasons why we truly can't do something. You may have a doctor's appointment or something else going on that day, but those times are different from us just not wanting to do something and making up why we can't. Unfortunately, a lot of people actually make excuses when it comes to the matter of faith. Here's a few that I have heard. I'm too busy to pray. Really? Prayer is just talking to God. Stop and think about the times that you have during the day to say a few words. What about when you're stopped at a red light? Did you ever think about praying for the people around you? What about when you see a school bus? Say a prayer for the kids that are inside and for the driver that's driving all our kids and grandkids to school each and every day. When you're folding the laundry, thank God for the clothes that you have. And maybe even he'll show you an item that you don't need that you could share with someone in need. The list goes on and on. There are so many opportunities to pray if you just look for them. What about, I don't read the Bible because I don't have time. That used to be a big one for me. Then one day, I heard God say to me, I give you 24 hours in a day, and you can't even find 15 minutes to read my word. Ouch. So now I get up early in the morning, and I have my devotions before I start my day. How about I'm tired on Sundays because I'm so busy all week long. I just want to sleep in. God, you understand. I don't know about you, but I come to church to get my spirit charged for the next week. God is there for us each and every day. He never leaves our side. Is it so bad to give him a couple of hours on a Sunday morning? 
What about this excuse? I know I need to get right with God, but I've got, just got so much to do right now, I just can't do it. Are you kidding me? How can you be too busy for God? Excuses can be incredible roadblocks that hinder our relationship with God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Following Jesus has a cost, and we must be ready to serve him, even when it requires sacrifice. We should not be making excuses because they usually lead to sin. In life, you will always hear excuses like, well, no one is perfect. Some see this as an excuse to live a life of immorality. But we need to remember that Christ accepts us just as we are, flaws and all. He doesn't require your perfection because he is the only one who is completely without sin. He doesn't want your perfection. He wants your presence. Another way you can make excuses is by being afraid to do God's will. We are afraid that his will might not align with our will and we might not want to do what he thinks we ought to do. Are you willing to offer your body as a living sacrifice? To be set apart from the world and be transformed by the renewing of your mind? You know, we all want to be walking where God wants us to walk because that's where the blessings are. That's where the joy is and where, most importantly, his presence is. So what do we need to do? We need to replace the excuses with steps of faith. That's how we open the window to the future that God desires for us, a future that is filled with fulfilled promises and not fallen dreams. So I have a question for you. What would you do if God came to you and said, listen, I have an awesome mission for you to accomplish. It will be part of my plan to redeem the world to myself. It will involve miracles, signs, and wonders. It will involve the splitting of the Red Sea and the leading of a couple of million people out of bondage into freedom, all of whom you will lead. How about it? What would you say? Would you jump at the chance? Or would you come up with a few excuses as to why you weren't necessarily the best choice for God to make? But then God says, I will be with you. If you are sure that God is telling you to do something, don't be afraid to do it because he is by your side. If that is truly his will for your life, it will be accomplished. Always examine yourself and ask yourself the question, am I making an excuse? If you remember in the book of Exodus, chapters 3 and 4, God could have rescued the Israelites from Egypt without Moses' help, but he chose to do it through Moses. Appearing to Moses at the burning bush, the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have come down to rescue them. Then the surprise, therefore, go, I am sending you so that you may lead my people out of Egypt. God had a plan to deliver his people. His plan was Moses. How would Moses respond to God's call? Well, just like us, he immediately began making excuses. First excuse, I'm not adequate for the task. 
Who am I? Moses asked. He felt inadequate, and he was right to feel that way because by himself he was inadequate, just as we are. But God said in reply to Moses, I will be with you. The deliverance of the people didn't depend on the ability of Moses, but on the presence and the power and the sufficiency of God. Our God supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory. Second excuse. Well, I don't know enough. And here's where the what ifs come in. If I go to, Israel, to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Moses was afraid that the Israelites might ask him a question he could not answer. Again, Moses had an answer for Moses. Or God had an answer for Moses. I am who I am. This is what... You are to say to the Israelites, I am he who has sent you. In response to Moses' concern, God revealed himself. You know, we often sit around in committee meetings and different stuff, what ifing a situation, almost to death. But if you wait until you have all the answers, you're never going to step out in faith to serve the Lord. What ifs are victory killers. Don't worry that you don't have all the answers. Whenever we say, I'm not smart enough or I'm not capable, God says, but I am and I will be with you. Third excuse, people don't take me seriously. What if they won't believe me or they won't obey me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you? God had already promised Moses, they will listen to what you say. Still, Moses protested. Again, the Lord countered Moses' excuse. If the people didn't take Moses seriously, they would take seriously the three powerful signs that God promised through Moses. The first one, God tells Moses to throw down his staff to the ground. It became a snake. God then told Moses to reach out and grab the snake by the tail. And when he did, it turned back to his staff. The second sign God said, put your hand inside your shirt. When he took it out, it had turned leprous like snow. Then God told him to put his hand back under his shirt. He did, and when he took it out, it was as healthy as before. The third sign, if they still refuse to believe you after you have shown them the first two signs, take some of the water out of the Nile, pour it on dry land, the water that you will pour will turn into blood when it hits the ground. Moses' fourth excuse was, I'm no good with words. Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent. I stutter and I stammer. Again, God already had told Moses what to say and had also promised Moses that people would listen to him. Still, Moses made excuses. By this point, God's getting pretty fed up with all of Moses' excuses, and he starts to get angry. He responded to Moses' excuse by saying, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. I will be with you. How many times like, do we feel that we just don't have what it takes? 
If your excuse is that you are not a good speaker, just put that thought aside. We learn in the Bible that God used a jackass to speak to Balaam. He used a rooster to speak to Peter. He used an old sheep's hide to speak to Gideon. And he can use you too. All he asks is that you be available and usable. He is God and we are not. And he says, I will be with you. I will give you the words to say. Now the fifth excuse is not really an excuse. Moses is just pretty much saying, I am not willing. Please, Lord, send someone else. It kind of reveals the real issue, doesn't it? For every excuse Moses had made, God offered his promise and provision. Now that Moses was out of excuses, he revealed the heart of the problem, which was really a problem of the heart. I really don't want to do this, Lord. This is usually the real issue, isn't it? We are simply not willing to step out in faith and obey God. What other excuses do we make when God calls? One might say, I'm too old, which I did. Yet Moses was 80. On an, another one might say, like Jeremiah did, I am only a youth. Whatever the excuse is, it often boils down to a lack of trust and an unwillingness to obey God. Yet when it came time for God to send a deliverer to Israel, Moses was exactly the person he chose for the God job, and he said, I will be with you. To us, it may not make much sense, but to God, it was all part of a great plan. It was God at work. After all, God had spared Moses' life as a baby. He trained Moses in the house of Pharaoh and blessed him with rich blessings in Egypt. And with those great blessings came great responsibilities. Now it was time for Moses to use his talents for God. This was his duty, his obligation, his responsibility. But Moses doesn't want all this responsibility, so he comes up with one excuse after another. God is big on change, and his hope for us is that we're constantly evolving and changing in the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we act. Everything around us is changing, and none of us like change. Most of us are set in our ways, and anyone who pushes us outside that comfort zone usually is met with some kind of resistance. How many of us in this church feel that same way? We feel that we aren't qualified to do something, or somebody else is better, or we just don't have the ability to get the job done. We are quick to give up before we ever start. But what we need to remember is God chose us. And he says, I will be with you. To say we aren't able to do the job says that God doesn't know what he's doing. So I'm asking you as a congregation, what are some things as a Christian that you might make excuses for? Any ideas? First one is you don't want to talk. So, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure you're thinking of one. What about if somebody says, will you pray? Do I see a hand or is that no? Yes? 
No? Okay. What about sharing your faith? What about reading scripture? What about not coming to church or not giving to someone who is in need? When you think about it, who knows best, you or God? Our ability must come from God first. God wants us to lose our pride and rely on him and the resources he has given us. If God has called us, he knows exactly what our strengths are. He also knows our weaknesses and our inabilities. He knows that we can do the task he puts before us through his power. Remember the verse, Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When he sends you out into his work, he never sends you alone. He says, I will be with you. On our own, we are not capable of doing anything godly or good. But through the power of God and his Holy Spirit, we can do anything. All he asks is that we be available and usable. He doesn't ask that we do it alone. I will be with you. He is God and we are not. Our inadequacies are not a problem for God. He has made us the way we are. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. But if we do not make ourselves available, then God's plan for our lives cannot go forward. Do you believe that God is able to supply whatever it is you lack in character, talent, or heart? We need to step out in faith and learn to obey God, to read his word, and to pray. God said, understand it's not about how much you know, but rather it's about who I am, and it's about what I will do. Remember, I will be with you. We can all be guilty of doing exactly what Moses did if we focus on ourselves instead of him. We want all the answers up front. However, that's not faith, and that's not how God works. I know that following the Lord by faith and not by sight is often a scary affair. When we look at the size of the task and compare our abilities to it, we often see ourselves lacking what is needed to get the job done. But how many times do we leave God out of the equation? We never even think about him. Noah probably didn't feel adequate to build the ark, and David probably felt pretty small next to Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably felt inadequate beside that fiery furnace. And Daniel must have looked pretty small and inadequate beside that lion's den. All through the Bible, God's people have been placed alongside obstacles against which they looked and felt inadequate. But with the power of God working through them, they were able to overcome them all. I will be with you. If God will do it for them, he will do it for you too. He is no respecter of persons. So what if Moses hadn't gone? What if he flat out refused? Well, I think Moses would probably have faced a little bit of discipline from the Lord. He maybe would have to have given up the joy that came from God's way of living. But the good news is Moses did not refuse. 
Instead, he was used by God in amazing ways. Do you realize that the same choice is before you? Proverbs 24:12 says, Don't excuse yourself by saying, Look, we didn't know. For God understands all hearts and he sees you. He guards, he who guards your soul knows you knew. He will repay all people as their actions deserve. Are you making excuses so you don't have to obey? Are you making excuses so you don't have to do what you know God wants you to do or to go where God wants you to go? Are you making excuses for why you will not trust him? Is there some excuse for why you have not made the decision to trust his grace for your eternal life? If you want to be used greatly by God, you must be willing to follow wherever he leads you and remember his promise. I will be with you. It's time to stop hiding behind the excuses that we are so good at making. It's time to stop resisting and to start following. It's time to stop saying, I can't, and start saying, but God can. It's time to stop debating faith and start practicing it. One day, our sin of excuses will come to judgment. And there we will be standing before our Lord Jesus Christ. Our excuses will all be gone and we will be standing before God in naked truth. What will he say? It appears to me that regardless of the excuses that man concocts for not doing the will of God, God always has an answer. Here is the bottom line. Throughout history, God has used shepherds, fishermen, tax collectors, children, and a whole host of ragtag individuals and have used them to change the world. And he wants to use you too. He has saved you by his grace and he has made something out of your life. Now he wants to show you off to a lost and a dying world. The best thing you and I can do is throw our excuses down and realize that God is able where we are not. Our heart's desire should be and must be to serve him at all costs, regardless of what he asks from our lives. After all, he gave his all by dying on that old rugged cross, and he asks no less from us. Are you ready to come to him, or are you ready to throw in the towel? Are you willing to say, God, here I am, like Isaiah did? All I am saying is what Moses would tell you if he were here. He would say, church, you can argue with the Lord until you're blue in the face, but he's going to get his way. He doesn't ask you to do it alone. He promises, I will be with you. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, it's so easy to make excuses for all the things that we're asked to do. Lord, help us to become strong enough in our faith to trust you, Lord, in all things. Help us to remember that there's nothing that will happen that you can't handle. You are far greater than our problems. Thank you, Father, for always being with us, no matter the situation we are faced with. Help us to always walk by faith and not by sight. And Father, as we come to our time of giving, I pray that you would bless our gifts 
And Lord, for those visiting with us, we thank you for their presence with us today. I pray that they have received a blessing. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh 
your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness Lord. holy spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Amen, thanks so much for coming Bye everybody, have a great week